Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. On this episode of They Walk Among America, we are all familiar with the feeling of being watched. Most of us recognize that niggling suspicion as nothing more than an irrational thought. But for others, their worst fears are sometimes confirmed. For one young woman in New Hampshire, a nightmare becomes reality when she realizes she's not only being watched, but she's being watched from inside her own home. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Nina Instead. Welcome to Episode 91 of They Walk Among America, a joint production between the Law and Crime Podcast Network and They Walk Among Us, the award-winning true crime podcast. Some names and locations have been changed to protect the victim's identity. This is the final episode of Season 3. In the early hours of February 9, 2022, officers from the Summersworth Police Department in New Hampshire responded to a call from residents of a house just off High Street in the city. Sergeant Nicole Lefebvre and Officer Scott South arrived at the white-cladded house at the top of the steep street. It was about 4.30 a.m. 
The house was dark apart from the lights from the patrol vehicle reflecting off the large bay window at the front of the home. The officers were greeted by the homeowner, Veronica, who said that her 24-year-old daughter, Rebecca, had woken her up about 15 minutes earlier with concerns that someone was in the house. Veronica and Rebecca checked around the three-bedroom house, careful not to wake Rebecca's two-year-old son. But as they did, they could hear noises above their heads. I was maybe hoping it was a raccoon or something, but I think it was it sounded more human and then that was concerning and that's why we went back into her room while speaking with rebecca the officers learned that she had been stalked by a man for the past few months and when she woke up that night she saw someone standing in her bedroom doorway watching her sleep in a sleepy haze she assumed it was her mother but when she called out mom the shadowy figure ran down the hallway. As the officers were taking Rebecca's statement, they too could hear the sound of someone walking around on the roof. They walked outside and used their flashlights to illuminate the back of the house. And, on a flat section of the roof next to an attic window, they spotted something in the darkness. And at that point, I saw somebody crawling across the roof. Sergeant Lefebvre ran back inside and up to the attic where she saw that the screen in the attic window had been cut out. She was able to get the intruder to come back inside from the roof and handcuff him. A Pennsylvania driver's license identified him as 19-year-old Mauricio Guerrero. Guerrero was taken to the police department, where he was questioned by Sergeant Lefebvre. He told the sergeant that he had met Rebecca through OnlyFans, a subscription service where creators are paid by subscribers to access exclusive content that ranges from podcasts to pornographic material. They had progressed from subscriber-creator interactions to something more, according to Guerrero, and they were what he termed as being in an off-and-on relationship. Guerrero, who wasn't wearing any shoes, told the sergeant that he had come into the house through the back door to reclaim some of the property he had gifted to Rebecca because they were arguing. He said that the back door was open when he entered the house around 11 p.m. that night, and he had only run up into the attic when he heard the police arrive. Guerrero was asked if he had permission to be inside the house, and he told the officer that he did have permission he offered to show them text messages as proof. The messages seemed to satisfy the interviewing officers at first, but when pressed, he eventually admitted to entering the house without permission. He also initially denied that a pair of sneakers found at the back door were his. Guerrero was charged with nighttime burglary and released on personal recognizance bail. The vehicle he had been driving, a Ford F-150 truck, was found parked around the corner from Rebecca and her mother's home. It was towed to the Berwick main storage lot while Guerrero was being questioned. Before he was allowed to leave, Guerrero was asked for consent to download his phone. He agreed, and the shift supervisor, Detective John Sunderland, connected the phone to the software used to obtain a system file download which acts almost like a mirror of what is on the phone, from apps to messages. 
Sunderland noticed that several apps were open, including Notes and the Tile Tracker app. Once the download was complete, Guerrero was given his phone back and allowed to leave. He had no shoes or money with him as most of his belongings were in the car that had been towed, so an officer was sent to the storage lot to retrieve them. As Detective Sunderland went through the digital download of Guerrero's phone, he noticed a number of videos in the hours before Guerrero was arrested. The second video I clipped on was a video of female genitalia, and the next video that I clicked on was a video that showed the, the, the layout of a house, if you will. It started in one bedroom, went down the hallway, and then into another bedroom and stopped. One video filmed at 10.15 a.m. the previous morning showed a walkthrough of a house from one bedroom to another. Another video, taken just one hour before the police were called, showed something much more disturbing. Um, I noted that the, the date and time on the video were certainly questionable because it was taken at, at uh, I think, 3.19 in the morning on February 9th, which was the day that Mauricio was arrested. Um, the, the video was of just, just female genitalia. It appeared that it was taken in a manner that the person taking it knew he was taking the video, but the, the person that was having the video taken may not have known because it appeared that in the video, the, a comforter, if you will, was lifted exposing the female's genitalia, and that's how the video was taken. Detective Sunderland rushed back to the lobby of the police department to confront Mauricio Guerrero, but he had already left. The officer who had retrieved money and shoes from Guerrero's car told the detective that he had noticed photographs of a woman in the center console as well as women's underwear. He had also seen a pry bar. Detective Sunderland quickly contacted the tow company to tell them not to release the car until they got a search warrant. Officer Matthew Barrell and Detective Sunderland went back to Rebecca's mother's house to speak with her again. Rebecca had told the police that she met Guerrero online at the end of October, 2021. They had communicated through her OnlyFans platform, and he seemed like a nice person. She had been planning to move into a new apartment in Dover, and he had offered to buy some items to help her furnish it, like a TV and a fireplace, so she provided him with her address. Rebecca said that their communication eventually moved to other messaging apps and text messages. Although she wasn't interested in meeting up with Guerrero, he was pushy. She recalled that one time in December 2021, shortly before she moved back in with her mom, that she had been walking to her car when another car pulled up close to her. Rebecca glanced over and saw the driver quickly ducking down in his seat. In a panic, she ran back inside and immediately contacted Guerrero to ask if it was him. After initially trying to deny it, he admitted that he had, in fact, driven over 350 miles from his home in Pennsylvania without telling her. Rebecca told the police that Guerrero then admitted to being in the area before 
and sleeping in his car in a parking lot across the street from her apartment. She said she was scared, but she felt almost obliged to be nice to him. A few weeks later, Guerrero again drove six and a half hours without telling Rebecca. She only knew he was there when he told her to look out her window. Rebecca had let him come inside the house and they had consensual sex, but after a couple of hours, she asked him to leave. On the evening of February 8th, Guerrero had FaceTimed her, and she could see that he was outside her mom's house. She went out and spoke to him in his truck, but went back inside not long after and told him not to do that again. A couple of hours later, she woke up to see him standing at her bedroom door, watching her sleep. She told the officers that she had never given him permission to come inside. Detective Sunderland asked if he could see Rebecca's bedroom. She consented, and he immediately recognized her comforter and sheets as the ones he had seen in the video on Guerrero's phone. He told Rebecca what he had seen in the video and later testified about her reaction. At that point, she was she was upset. Her hands were visibly shaking. Um, I asked if he had permission to take videos like that. She said no. I asked if he had permission to be in the house. She said Sunderland also recognized the layout of the house from the other video on Guerrero's phone that had been recorded a day earlier. Rebecca and Veronica recalled strange things that had been happening around the house in the previous days. Yeah, there were things that were off in the house. Um, I had seen a window open um, one morning and I had come down, it was open like this much in my living room. It was a three, like a bay window. And the little window on the left was open and cold air was coming in. Um, I'd seen some doors that I swear were shut and locked and they were open, um, including like the front doors facing the street um, and the back barn door. So I just was kind of like getting to the point, like what's going on? You know, it didn't quite, put it all together, I didn't know, but um, yeah, I had noticed some things that were off. Rebecca's keys had also gone missing and suddenly reappeared a day later. Rebecca and her mother then told officers about items they had found in the attic that morning that hadn't been there before. Walking up the stairs, I saw a pair of my daughter's fishnet stockings in a package. Um, and then at the top of the stairs, there was, oh, there was a cup of, looked like urine in a plastic cup. Um, and then at the top of the stairs, or up on the, you know, once you're up on the third floor, there was some McDonald's food. And there was something, I didn't know what it was, um, but it was a small square with blue masking tape or painter's tape on it. I didn't know what I was looking at. <laughs> Are there any other uh, food items that you saw? There was some, I think, graham crackers. Um, I know that there was uh, hash browns, <laughs> something. I I know there was a there was a meal up there. Did you have graham crackers in, in your kitchen? Yeah, and um, matched to me. It matched from my box of crackers that were in my kitchen cabinet. 
The officers went into the attic, which was accessed by walking through Rebecca's son's room and up a steep set of wooden stairs. They found the McDonald's food, the cup, an unopened pack of graham crackers, an AirPod case, and something small that was wrapped in blue masking tape. When Officer Beryl peeled back the tape, he realized it was a tile. So a tile is a, a tracking type of device that uses Bluetooth or wireless technology. You could attach it to your keys or something else, so if you lose them, you can find it. Detective Sunderlin immediately remembered that the Tile app was open on Guerrero's phone before he had given it back to him. Based off what they had said, it seemed like there was more to the story, and I also wanted to see if I could find any indication of a way he may have gotten into the house. Uh, so what did you find when you came to the house? So I guess it would be the west side of the house. The driveway side of the house has a a three-bay window system that kind of pushes out a little bit off the house. On those three-bay windows, the center window, looking at the house, the center window and the window on the right both had what appeared to me to be pry marks on them. Both of them had red paint transferred and it appeared that a tool was pushed under the window in a manner that kind of damaged the, the the edge of the window a little bit in a manner trying to push the window while I'm trying to force it open. Soon after Sunderland and Beryl had left the house, they learned that Guerrero had come back to the police department. Guerrero wanted to know how he could get his car released, but when Detective Sunderland arrived, Guerrero agreed to speak with him in an interview room. The detective wasted no time in informing Guerrero that they were in the process of obtaining a search warrant for his vehicle, and he expected that when they did search it, they would find a red pry bar that he had used to break into Rebecca's house. Guerrero denied that he had one in the car, and he also denied pushing up a window at the back of the house to get inside. Detective Sunderland confronted Guerrero with his theory about what had happened. Guerrero had broken into the house two days earlier and stolen a key, which he later had copied. Sunderland said he expected to find the copied key on Guerrero's set of keys in his car. When the vehicle was searched, officers recovered a red pry bar, women's underwear, photographs of Rebecca, a set of keys, receipts for a McDonald's purchased at 10 a.m. on February 8th, and a receipt for a tile tracker at 9.44 p.m. that evening. One of the keys was confirmed to be a copy of Rebecca's house key. When he was confronted with all of the evidence, Guerrero admitted to breaking into the house. He also claimed that Rebecca had told him she wanted someone to be obsessed with her and stalk her. He said that he had arrived in the area two days earlier and broke in using the pry bar to open a window. Guerrero admitted that he had taken Rebecca's keys from the kitchen island and later had them copied at Walmart. The next morning, he went to McDonald's before returning to Rebecca's house and entering through a back door that he claimed to have left unlatched. He put the keys beneath the kitchen island, and as he ate his last hash brown, he walked around the house recording a video. 
Guerrero explained that he thought the house was messy, and that's why he was recording. At this point, he stole several pairs of underwear and photographs Rebecca had of herself. He then went up to the attic, where he left his breakfast. Guerrero went back to his Airbnb for a while, and later that night, after going to Target to buy a tile tracker to put on Rebecca's car, she had texted him saying she was lonely, so he admitted that he was in the area. He claimed they had sexual contact in his car, and then she went home. A few hours later, he broke in again, and that was when he took the video of her vagina as she was sleeping. When asked why he did it, he said he just wanted to see it again. He said he didn't know her son was in the bed beside her. At the end of the interview, Guerrero was offered the chance to write a letter of apology to Rebecca. Detective Sunderland read the letter at his trial. I don't know why I did this. I'm so stupid. What I did was a scary thing to do to you, and I'm sorry. I know you'll hate me, but it's fine. I deserve this. I am a horrible person, and I made your life miserable by doing this to you. I might go to jail, and I'm scared, so fucking scared. You are never going to forgive me for this, but it's fine. I hope you, I don't deserve this, and you'll most likely hate me forever. Sorry is not gonna solve this. I made a something mistake. I did this to myself. I don't know why. I didn't mean for this to happen to you. I am disappointed in myself. I disappointed something, and I'm sorry. Forensic technicians at the scene had collected a number of evidentiary items that would ultimately be linked back to Guerrero. This evidence included his fingerprints on the window, paint that matched the red pry bar found in his car, and blue masking tape he had used to cover the tile inside the rear door of the house. Guerrero was charged with additional counts of burglary and transported to the Stafford County House of Corrections while he awaited his indictment. A few days later, Rebecca's mother, Veronica, found something disturbing on their porch. I had seen, uh, looks like a shipping label, you know, and on the front it said, I love you. I thought it was something maybe she had, um, was going to, you know, put on a box or it was a Christmas package thing. Um, and so I picked it up, and I turned it over, and there was a note. The note read, I don't know why I'm so stupid. Please forgive me for whatever I do. I'm sorry. Goodbye. I love you. Don't you ever doubt it, like, ever. Veronica was terrified and immediately brought it to the attention of the investigators, who had discovered that Guerrero had been in the house more times than initially thought. Guerrero was released on a $2,500 bond and ordered to stay away from Rebecca, her mother, and to stay off of social media. By late July 2022, Guerrero was charged with five counts of burglary and two counts of violation of privacy, and after pleading not guilty, he was ordered to stand trial. 
The trial began at Stafford County Superior Court on Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Opening the case for the prosecution, Deputy County Attorney Emily Garrod said that Mauricio Guerrero had gone from being attracted to the victim to being infatuated and obsessed with her, to the point that he had lost all ability to think and control his actions. The jury heard that Guerrero had met Rebecca on her OnlyFans page in late 2021, and he had been one of her biggest financial supporters. Over the months that followed, the lines between a transactional and personal relationship were blurred, and Guerrero began traveling over 350 miles to see Rebecca without any prompting from her. On one occasion, they did have consensual sex, but after that, Rebecca didn't engage with Guerrero as much. The prosecutor said that on five occasions between January 20th and February 9th, 2022, Guerrero broke into Rebecca's mother's home. Guerrero decided to drive from Pennsylvania to Summersworth on January 20, 2022, without telling Rebecca he was coming. At 3 a.m., he arrived at Rebecca's mother's home, where she had been living with her young son for approximately a month. And it's this old Victorian house, kind of like a maze. And it's got these two back rooms, one's unfinished, and the one behind that's almost like a barn, that are attached to the house. There's an old wooden window on that back arm that kind of slides to the side open that had been secured by someone with a nail so it couldn't slide all the way. The defendant is able to break that window and then prop it back up afterwards so that if anybody was just looking at it quickly, they would not be able to know necessarily that the window is broken of this old area of the house that nobody really goes to that often. After breaking a window at the back of the house, Guerrero went inside and began going through some of Rebecca's old schoolwork. He took a photograph of a poem she had written in grade school, and police later found his fingerprints on the cellophane sheet protector covering it. Guerrero left without Rebecca or her mother knowing that he had been inside the house. A few weeks later, Guerrero again drove for over six hours to get to Rebecca's house, arriving at 4 a.m. on February 7th with a crowbar and a to-do list. This to-do list lays out his plans for when he was there and demonstrates that he is on a mission. And that list, that to-do list, is found there in the notes section of his cell phone. It has things like go to her house, then put a trash around her car, lock the her house, find her room and her stuff and get my shit back, get a key copy, Put microphones and stuff to hear her. Log into her phone, hopefully. Make sure to be very careful and sneakful around her home. Remember, get her phone and open it. Unblock me on everything. The list also contained Rebecca's son's name and date of birth, a description of where two of her friends lived, a description of her car, her registration plate, and the name and number of a guy Rebecca had been seeing. The prosecutor told the court that in the 48 hours between February 7th and February 9th, Guerrero had entered the house at least four separate times. During the time that Guerrero was hiding out in the attic, he stole Rebecca's underwear, took photographs of her while she slept, and made copies of her keys. He had taken the keys from the kitchen while she slept, and Rebecca and her mother spent most of the next day searching for them. After getting the keys copied, Guerrero returned to the house and put them beneath the island in the kitchen, 
for Rebecca to find the following morning. While he was there, he had taken photographs of the inside of the house and stole underwear. After Rebecca and her mother left the house on the morning of February 8th, Guerrero broke in again, bringing McDonald's pancakes and hash browns with him. He walked around the house video recording the interior and Rebecca's bedroom before going into the attic where he ate his breakfast. Later that evening, he went to Target and bought a tile tracker, a small device which people usually attach to their phones and keys to be able to locate them. Close to midnight that night, Rebecca texted Guerrero and told him that she wished he was there, something she did when she was drunk and feeling lonely. It was a flippant remark made for some conversation, but Guerrero, who had been in the area for 43 hours without her knowing, told her that he was in town. They met up for half an hour before Rebecca decided to go home. She didn't know that he would follow her. Shortly before 2 a.m., he texted her to ask if she was awake, but she didn't reply. He then called her from a blocked number to see if she would answer, and when she didn't, he was satisfied that she was asleep and he could sneak back into the house. Guerrero entered through the back door and took off his shoes so he could move through the house quietly. Over the next two hours, he snuck into Rebecca's bedroom where she was sleeping next to her son and took photographs of her driver's license and her cell phone lock screen. But of all the strange things he does that night, perhaps most concerning is the video he took at 3.19 a.m. When he lifts, again, like I said, the covers of the bed into her bathroom and takes a video zooming in on her bare vagina. Around an hour later, Rebecca woke up to Guerrero watching her sleep from the hallway, and she and her mom called the police. After initially lying about what he was doing in the house, Guerrero eventually told the truth after being confronted with the evidence found in the attic and on his phone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The prosecutor then tried to explain the complex nature of Rebecca's relationship with Guerrero. Attorney Garrod said that Rebecca was a 24-year-old single mother who had a history of bad relationships and experiences with men. The prosecutor said that posting explicit photographs of herself on OnlyFans was not synonymous with having confidence. 
Rebecca had been flattered by the attention Guerrero gave her when they communicated online. Eventually, they exchanged numbers and texted and FaceTimed each other more frequently. The court heard that even though Rebecca didn't want any sort of romantic relationship with Guerrero, her messages to him did not always reflect that. On one occasion, she had texted Guerrero and said she kind of liked that he was a little obsessed with her. Now, when he would make his surprise visits and this person that was online is suddenly on her street, sure, it freaked her out. But part of her was also flattered. She wanted to be wanted. She wanted the attention from men that are bad. And another part of her felt guilt. She knew she encouraged his feelings. And it was partially her fault that he would drive up all this way, spend all that time coming to see her. Because she would say things like, I wish you were here. The prosecutor said that the guilt Rebecca felt for leading him on was what led to her sleeping with him on one occasion and she would go from blocking Guerrero to messaging him again when she was lonely. But, as attorney Garrett said, having a girl play with your emotions does not give anybody the right to break into their house or take photographs of their genitals without their consent. Garrett preempted the defense strategy of claiming Guerrero thought Rebecca wanted him to stalk her by laying out the evidence the jury would not hear. You also pay attention to what you won't hear. And that's any sort of evidence in phones or messages where they plot out some kind of role-playing sexual tryst that involves him hiding in her attic and urinating into a cup. What the evidence will not show is that or her mom, for that matter, either asked for or deserved to have the defendant creeping around in and out of their home, stealing their belongings, and violating their most basic privacy rights. What the evidence will show is that the defendant did these things not because he thought he had permission to, but because he felt compelled, because he had gone from fan to fanatic and became obsessed with And at the end of this trial, after you hear all the evidence, I will come back and ask you to find the defendant guilty. Guerrero's attorney, Harry Nelson Starbranch, then began the defense's opening statement. The defense attorney also took issue with the burglary charges and said that it was more like trespassing, as burglary is based around the intent to steal something, and according to Starbranch, Guerrero did not intend to commit any crimes. Starbranch said that Guerrero was not aware that he was just a client to Rebecca. He believed they were in a relationship, something his attorney blamed on him being stupid and naive. You know, most people who are contact providers don't usually give their addresses to their clients. She does. And she does that so he can have stuff delivered to her house, which she's all for. Like I said, he's the one that doesn't understand he's a client. She doesn't really ever have any doubt about that. She doesn't have any feelings for him whatsoever, really. It's a pseudo relationship. He has feelings for her, and she knows that, and she exploits those feelings. She exploits those feelings in a very mercenary type way. And remember, she's really in a position of control here. She's older, she's in the business, he's young, naive, stupid. Not as he's a dumb person, but he acts dumb stupidly. He's in love, she's let him on. Starbranch told the jury that Guerrero never intended to commit any crimes. He was just in love and acted stupidly when he broke into the house. One of the first witnesses to testify was Rebecca's mother, Veronica. 
She was asked if she had noticed anything strange in the days leading up to Guerrero's arrest. She told the court that she had moved her daughter's car across the street on February 7th so she could go to work, and she had left the keys on the island in the kitchen before she left. Her daughter called her later that day to tell her she couldn't find the keys, despite looking everywhere for them. Well, we would have to get a key made, which is kind of expensive. It's like $400, I think. Um, he started calling around, and, and um, we had looked everywhere. I looked on the road, thinking maybe I dropped them from when I moved her car, and looked under the kitchen island, looked everywhere I could think of. Um, and then she or I, I don't know who, called the police to have them come over and, and see if they could open a car door and see if maybe they were in the car. So it was kind of like a big thing. We noticed it, you know. The next morning, they found the keys under the kitchen island. Veronica also spoke about finding the note addressed to her daughter on the porch a few days after Guerrero was arrested. Um, this really scared me, but it did say, um, please forgive me for whatever I do. I'm sorry, goodbye. Um, love you, don't you ever doubt it, like ever. I don't know why I am so stupid. So I'm not reading that probably in the order, but that's what it says. Veronica was also asked if she ever gave Guerrero permission to come into her house. Lead Detective John Sunderland testified next. He spoke about his interview with Mauricio Guerrero and how the evidence in the case was compiled. Phone data placed Guerrero on Rebecca's street on numerous occasions between February 7th and February 9th. During that time, he took a number of photographs inside of the home of different things like Rebecca's bedroom, her lingerie, her driver's license, and the lock screen on her phone, showing that she had missed a call. Phone analysis showed that Guerrero spent a lot of time in the house browsing social media, reading his notes app, and setting up the tile tracker. Detective Sunderland was back on the stand the following morning. He would go through text messages between Guerrero and Rebecca in the days leading up to his arrest. On February 8th, Guerrero told Rebecca that he was at work. And Rebecca replied, come over. Mauricio says, I'm not driving five hours. His next message is, and then when I get there, he'll say, oh no, I can't come out. Rebecca said she was just making sure that he didn't just break into her house or something because her door looked weird. And despite being in the area at the time, Guerrero replied that he didn't have time to drive up there for a girl who didn't like him anymore. Rebecca then asked Guerrero if he was in Summersworth multiple times over the course of the next day. Each time, he denied he was there. Later that night, Rebecca texted Guerrero and told him that she was drinking alone again because it was the only time that she could feel something. Guerrero told her that he knew she was probably drunk and would hate him the next day, but he wanted to help her in any way possible. She said she wished he was there, and he responded, Me too. Shortly before midnight, Guerrero arrived outside Rebecca's mother's house, and she told him she couldn't speak to him for more than a few minutes because she had to look after her son. 
Half an hour later, Guerrero left and Rebecca texted him and told him she was blocking him and that he couldn't just show up at her mom's house. Guerrero apologized, but Rebecca didn't respond until 4.16 a.m. on February 9th when she said, Are you in my fucking house? I'm calling the cops. Other officers and analysts involved in the investigation testified about their roles collecting and compiling data. Then the victim in the case took the stand and spoke about how her self-esteem was low and she was drinking a lot at the time she was speaking to Guerrero. Yeah, I was drinking almost every night, um, a lot. Is there a reason for that? Uh, just to kind of numb everything. Rebecca said that she messaged Guerrero for as long as she did because he made her feel special, and she admitted she didn't make it clear that they weren't in a relationship and led him on. Rebecca recalled being scared the first time Guerrero turned up unannounced, but when he did it a second time, they had been speaking more frequently, and she decided to see him. Um, I think he texted me, or we were on the phone, I don't know, and um, he said he was here, and I kind of, at that point, was just like, whatever, I'm just going to see this kid, and then he came up to my apartment, and I think he was there for about an hour. Um, we had sex. And then he left. Rebecca said they would argue quite often, but she would continue to speak to him out of guilt. Um, I felt bad for him. Um... I don't know. I was, I just felt bad. What do you mean you felt bad? Why? I just felt guilty. He seemed kind of sad, like a sad person. And I don't know. I just didn't want him to ever like do anything to me or himself. So. You mentioned that the dynamic talk earlier, that he would say really nice things and make you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, did this conversation kind of continue on in part because of that? Um, yeah, definitely. Did anything about your drinking affect the way you talked to him? Yes. Can you tell me about that? Um, I would just get really drunk and say crazy things that I didn't mean. Um, that's pretty much it. Crazy things like what? Like the I love you or whatever and uh, I don't know, like most of those texts I was drunk so. Rebecca explained that she had messaged Guerrero on February 8th to see if he was in her area as she suspected that he was. When he arrived outside her mom's house while she was drunk later that night, she went out to him in his truck, which was parked across the street. What did you guys do? Um, I went 
down on him for like five seconds and then I was really grossed out and realized what I was doing and stopped. Um, and then I think that's kind of when I was like, well, I'm gonna go back inside now. Did you um, do anything else in the shark? No, no. said do not come back to my mom's house rebecca said that she went back home and drank some more wine before going to bed next to her son in her bedroom she was wearing a bathrobe and told the court she was a heavy sleeper especially after drinking wine rebecca testified that the next thing she remembered was waking up and seeing someone in the hallway during cross-examination, Guerrero's attorney, Mr. Starbranch, confronted Rebecca with messages she had sent his client, telling him she missed him after she had sent him away from her house. She had also told him that it was kind of hot, that he had just shown up. In fact, you told him that you want someone to behave the way he behaved. The fall, Yes. You remember that? So, you remember that? Yes. So, you told, you told Luis, Lucio that you want someone to behave the way he behaved to follow him, right? Yes. And uh, you also told him, so he knows, you told him that you want him to be obsessed with Yes. On redirect, the prosecutor asked Rebecca to read the answer she gave to the forensic interviewer when she had been asked the same questions in the weeks after Guerrero's arrest. Um, yeah, there were definitely some weird texts and stuff. Um, I don't know. I think I was just like, oh, I want you to be obsessed with me and all this stuff, but I didn't mean it. Nowhere on this does it say anything about um, you talking to Rizzo about following you around, does it? Uh, no. Uh, but you did tell him that um, you think you said something like, I want you to be obsessed with me and do all this stuff, but you didn't mean it. Uh, correct. Different people involved in the investigation testified about the correlation between information found in Guerrero's notes app and items stored in the back part of the house where he had first made entry. In boxes in that part of the house were Rebecca's old schoolwork and her son's baby book. Guerrero had gone through the boxes to learn more about Rebecca, including her hobbies and her son's date of birth. On day three of the trial, Guerrero took the stand to testify in his own defense. Mauricio Guerrero was overcome with emotion before he even finished spelling out his name for the record. The then 22-year-old told the court that he worked full-time in his family's Mexican restaurant in Pennsylvania, and he didn't have much time to socialize or meet new people because of his job. Guerrero said that he had subscribed to Rebecca's OnlyFans channel in October 2021, 
and they began messaging a month later. Well, we would FaceTime. FaceTime. We would FaceTime, start to FaceTime mostly. Instead of every, like once in a while, it would be every single day and texting at the same time. Um, and we would talk about things, about what we liked, what we liked about each other, and um, what would she like to do, what was her, what was her like plans, her goals, her future, what were mine. We talked a lot about that. Guerrero also said that they spoke about sexual topics a lot, and when Rebecca flirted with him and told him she would like to see him, he believed her and decided to drive over 350 miles to her apartment in New Hampshire. On December 7th, I decided to park um, in her apartment complex. I was nervous to go up there to knock, to probably knock on the door where she was, but I had second thoughts. I was thinking about it. And then she came out of her car. I didn't know she was in there. And she walked inside. Guerrero said that he hadn't told Rebecca he was coming, but she realized it was him. Did she learn who you were there somehow, or did she figure it out? She figured it out. How'd she do that? She texted me that she saw a person in the truck, in a gray truck. And at first, I, she asked me if it was me or not. And of course, and I declined at first, but she started asking again and again, and I told her that it was me. Guerrero left cash on her windshield and told her to get it repaired as he had seen a crack on it. How'd she react to that? She told me that it wasn't okay for to do that, and she told me that I had to leave that this is her place that she lived at. And she told me to leave and I did. And as you were leaving, um, did she send you texts? Yes. Tell us what the text um, She would text me if I had, if she, I mean, looked ugly while coming out of her car or anything like that. And I told her no. And, Later on, she would tell me that she missed me, that it was hot for me to do that. Guerrero claimed that Rebecca had told him she wanted to be stalked and for him to be obsessed with her. She said she wanted to me to be obsessed with her, to be a stalker, that she liked it. Four days after Guerrero arrived at Rebecca's apartment without warning, he drove to New Hampshire again. He claimed it was out of concern for her safety when she went out with friends. Because um, decided that she was going to go out drinking that night and that she was going to get, um, I would say, blackout wasted. And to, to not be able to be conscious anymore. And I was afraid of that because she told me stories about her being blackout wasted before years prior and being uh, being raped by two men prior and i told her not to go out i begged her not to go out but she did anyways 
So I decided to drive up later that night to, to text her if she was okay or not. And she would not text me back until the morning. And when she did, she told me that she didn't want to talk about it. Just over a week later, Guerrero arrived again without telling her he was coming. And when he got there, he told her he had Christmas presents for her son. At first, Rebecca told him she was too busy to see him, but eventually she let him into the apartment when her son had fallen asleep. She was in her bathrobe, and she had been drinking wine. Guerrero was asked how the evening ended, and he had to be interrupted by his own attorney when he began almost reliving their encounter. How did it conclude? Um, well, first she started to take off her robe slowly, and she told me to take my belt. She told me to well, we had an intercourse. In the weeks that followed, they began arguing frequently and would block each other during fights. But Guerrero still made unannounced visits to the area where Rebecca had moved to live with her mother. I believe that um, I would, she wouldn't want to come up. And when, I, and when I did, she would tell me that I can't come outside. I can't go. I'm busy. And also somewhat of uh, anger towards me. She had anger to come back? Yes. How would she express that? Um, she was asking me, why are you up here? Why did you come up here? And I always told her, because you told me to, that you want me to come up there to see you, and that you wanted to see me. The first time Guerrero arrived in January, he had stayed at a hotel, and when Rebecca found out that he was there, she told him she was too busy to see him. I saw her just by her mother's place. She, wait, she saw me outside her house, and I had waved hi to her, and she waved back at me. And then she told me to go back to my hotel, and I did. The next time Guerrero went up, on January 20th, he decided not to tell Rebecca he was coming. They were arguing more and more, and she had told him she would send him back the fireplace and TV he had sent her for her new apartment. That was the first time he broke into her mother's home. On February 6, 2022, Guerrero left his home in Pennsylvania at about 6 p.m. and drove all night to get to New Hampshire. Did you go in the house? Yes. Why? Because I believe it's something she would want him to do. Guerrero said that he had left his hat and his belt at her apartment in December, and he had asked for them back multiple times, but Rebecca told him they got lost in the move. Guerrero told the court how he gained entry to the home and what he did once he got inside. Went in the back. Um, I remember it was being cold that night, and I saw my fireplace and TV, mostly the fireplace and I wanted to leave with it. Guerrero said he wasn't strong enough to carry it himself, and when he walked around the house, he impulsively decided to take Rebecca's keys. When he returned with the keys later that night after getting them copied, he decided to take something else. I, I wanted to take some of her stuff, some of her undergarments, and take 
Guerrero also took photographs of Rebecca when she was younger, and he kept all the stolen items in his car. Guerrero went back to the house again and said that he had gone up to the attic to look for his stuff. He then spoke about telling Rebecca he was there on February 8th, after over 30 hours of being in and out of her house. She was drunk at the time, and his attorney asked him if she was happy to see him or if she had given him a kiss. She did more than that. She she started to give me sexual contact. Yes, she started to give me all. How long that for? A couple minutes there, and then she stopped, and I was fine with that. I didn't want to continue. She was uncomfortable right now, and we talked for a bit. We talked about I should go home. That I couldn't be there, and that I really need to get home, and that I had. She told you to never come back there again? Yes, she told me that not to come back again. Guerrero said that Rebecca had always texted him after he left on other occasions and told him she missed him, so he had expected her to message him, but she didn't. After she didn't send you a text or a call to call you back, what did you do? I decided to go to go in. Guerrero took off his shoes so he wouldn't make any noise walking through the house as everyone slept. He claimed he intended to speak to her and he thought it would make her happy to see him there as he believed it was a fantasy she had. Guerrero said he heard a phone ringing in her room and when he went in, he saw a number he didn't recognize on her lock screen. He then took a video of her genitals as she slept. I believe it was just a game of ours that she wanted to do, and so I decided to take a picture of her vagina. When you say a game you played, you actually have received pictures of her before, right? Yes. Oh. Yes, there were pictures that she was sent, sent to me. Guerrero was asked what happened next, and he said that he had wanted to leave, but he heard Rebecca call out. And when I went to go back, she she tried to gasp, and I was scared, and so I went. She did like a loud gasp, and I went up to my room. I went up to my room. Yeah, no, not my room. Sorry. Yes, but I'm sorry. Just. I went up to the attic, and I, I don't know what to do. I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave, and I heard someone say cops, and so I wanted to leave as soon as possible. The court recessed for the weekend, and on Monday, May 15th, Guerrero was back on the stand for cross-examination. When questioned by the prosecutor, Guerrero agreed that Rebecca had been upset every other time he arrived without warning, and he was confronted about his testimony that Rebecca would have wanted him to break into her mother's house. So your claim to this jury is that all the entries you made to her house, you thought were okay? Yes. But you'd agree with me that in the three months that you had been corresponding, she never once invited you into her mother's house. No. 
And if not for breaking in, he probably never would have been invited. Guerrero claimed that he didn't remember most things he was questioned about, and then he was confronted about being inside the house when Rebecca first texted him on the morning of February 8th. And while you're there in the house, texting you and specifically asking if you're in town, right? Yes. And you tell her no, right? Right. And she specifically says, I wanted to make sure you weren't here because my door looked weird. Remember that? Yes. And your response is, I'm at work, right? Yes. I think your response was, I have business to take care of. I don't have the time to drive in for a girl that doesn't like me, right? Yes. So she asked you a couple times if you're there, and you deny each time. Yes. And you'd agree with me that if this was something you were doing in order to make her happy, you had to tell her at some point, right? Yes. After seeing Rebecca in his car for a few minutes, Guerrero made a Google search for, can drunk tell you something if you convince them? Guerrero was confronted about what he did after Rebecca woke up to find him standing in her hallway. And when she texts you, are you in my fucking house? You don't respond. Yes. You don't go into her room and say, yep, it's, it's me, surprise, aren't you happy? Do you? Yes. And so you go into the attic, right? Yes. You go out onto the roof in your socks, right? Yes. You even cut a hole in, in the screen so you can get out there. Yes. So isn't it true that you really didn't actually believe that she wanted you there? No, I did believe she wanted you there. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know what she wanted from me. Well, if you're doing something very drastic, like breaking into her mother's home, right? Yes. Wouldn't you want to be sure? The prosecutor asked Guerrero why, if he believed she wanted him to do it, would he go to such lengths to conceal himself? Guerrero had arrived without warning Rebecca he was coming six times over a two-and-a-half-month period. The reason that you would come up up unannounced rather than wait for her to make plans is because you knew that was never going to happen, right? No, she would tell me to want to see me. Right. But you never made concrete plans, like, I want you to come up on this day and visit me, right? Right. And you knew that if you were waiting for that to happen, that it would never come. No. Well, that's why it came up unannounced, right? Yes. Guerrero had testified that Rebecca was manipulative. He had turned up multiple times without warning, knowing it made Rebecca feel guilty, and knowing she had never actually been happy to see him before. Guerrero said he believed they were in a relationship despite Rebecca never saying that they were, and 
despite the fact that she only let him see her for two hours over a three-month period. He insisted that he thought Rebecca would want him to do what he did because he believed she had wanted him to stalk her. Guerrero tried to explain why he filmed Rebecca's genitals as she slept by saying that he wasn't thinking clearly because he was tired, cold, scared, and alone. An hour passed between the time he recorded the video and the time Rebecca woke up and the prosecutor asked him what he was doing that entire time. My question for you. Is there any hour period when you're filming looking at her vagina? She realizes you're here and you. What are you doing? Don't know. Are you in your in her room watching her sleep? No. Sitting there masturbating? What are you doing? No, I don't remember that much. Well, they were there for over two hours, Mauricio. And other than taking a few pictures, we know very little about what you did. You're the only one that can answer that question. So can you answer that question? What were you doing? Don't remember. Don't remember or you don't want to answer that question? I don't remember. With all of the evidence and testimony presented in the case, the closing arguments then began. Defense attorney Starbranch addressed the jury first and opened his statement with a quip that they all had learned that OnlyFans was not the best place to find their first girlfriend. Starbranch said there was no question that Guerrero went into the house, but the case was about his intent when he went inside. Guerrero's attorney said his client was manipulated by Rebecca and that he didn't realize he was just a customer to her. It's all a big fantasy. She knows it. He doesn't. She knows that he's a gay. But she works him. She works him like a pro. She works him and she, gets, she keeps the money coming. She keeps the gifts coming. Um, and she frankly, you know, keeps him interested, keeps him involved. Um, you know, the, the relationship is bizarre, it's fantastic, it's toxic. Um, there's a real disparity between the position of, of, of control and power in this relationship. She's completely neutral. She, she, she's older than he is, much more sophisticated than he is. She, you know, just look what she does for a living. She's used to dealing with people in her fantasies. Starbranch told the jury that Guerrero never intended to steal anything when he broke into the house. He simply wanted to be close to the object of his desire. Starbranch referred to the fact that Guerrero called the attic his room on the stand and said that showed his state of mind. He was looking at his room. In his, in his confused, sad, sexual mind, you know, he believes that she's his girlfriend and he wants to be close to her. That's his purpose. That's his conscious object, is to go back up to his room until it's all rolls over and he can be with That's what he meant. That was his object. The defense said it wasn't burglary for that reason. It was trespassing. Prosecutor Garrett then addressed the jury. She said that the defense more or less agreed that Guerrero was a man obsessed. There's nothing less than an unhealthy obsession that would lead someone to drive 350 miles for five hours 
to break into someone's house four times over the course of three days, sneaking in and out of their room, taking photos of their genitals, and taking urinating in a cup in the ice. Attorney Garrett said it was clear to everyone, including Guerrero, that the relationship was one-sided. Rebecca did not send him gifts. She didn't try to meet up with him. She didn't think they were in a relationship. Guerrero kept referring to a game when talking about his obsessive behavior and said it was something that he believed Rebecca had wanted. The prosecutor said that in hundreds of pages of text messages, not once did she talk about a game. Attorney Garrod said that the break-ins were about control for Guerrero. He knew he was losing Rebecca, and he would not let her own free will get in the way of his love. They hadn't spoken between February 1st and February 8th. It was only when Guerrero texted Rebecca and then said he didn't mean to text her, that she asked him to video call. She explained on the witness stand that she did this because she wanted to see for sure that he wasn't outside of her mother's house like he'd been before. The prosecutor dismissed the defense's claims that Guerrero didn't know what he was doing. And keep in mind, folks, that he had five and a half hours on that trip up to think about what he is doing. This excuse that he didn't really know or wasn't thinking clearly, it's not true, because he had ample time to consider his plan and what he was going to do when, he's, when he was there. And this time, when he gets there, he's not going to create this obsession just by going through her school items or looking at her poetry. He's going to do things so that he can be physically close to her, being in the house, taking her items so that he can have a little piece of her when he goes back to Pennsylvania. He's going to put a tracker on her car so he can know her every move and try to access her phone so he can know what she's up to. And the minute that he gets to Summersworth, New Hampshire, everything he does from that point on is an effort to achieve those goals or to cover his tracks so that no one finds out what he's doing. The prosecutor said that even though Rebecca had led Guerrero on as part of her job to play to his desires because he was giving her money, she did not deserve what happened to her, her mother, or her son. Guerrero had broken into the house at least five times. He stole underwear, photographs, keys, food, and he took photographs of Rebecca's home and genitals without her consent. Garrett asked the jury to find Guerrero guilty of four counts of burglary, one count of criminal trespass, and two counts of violation of privacy. The jury was sent to deliberate, and one day later, on May 16, 2023, they returned with a unanimous verdict. Mauricio Guerrero was found guilty of two counts of burglary, one count of criminal trespass, and one count of invasion of privacy. He was found not guilty of one count of invasion of privacy and not guilty on the two other counts of burglary, but guilty of the lesser charges of criminal trespass. Having been convicted of two counts of burglary, three counts of criminal trespass, and one count of invasion of privacy, Guerrero faced a sentence of 7 to 15 years for burglary and 12 months for each of the other charges. Prosecutor Garrod said that it would depend on whether or not they were sentenced consecutively or concurrently, but she believed a sentence of up to 15 years was likely. 
Mauricio Guerrero remained out on bail with a GPS monitor until his sentencing hearing on July 19, 2023. The court heard that when Guerrero first traveled to New Hampshire where Rebecca was living, he had not told her he was there and that they had never even discussed seeing each other in person at that point. On December 6, 2021, Guerrero sat in his car in a car park across from her house and video recorded her as she walked in and out of her home. When he arrived in January 2022 and stayed in the area for three days despite Rebecca telling him she could not see him, he began searching the internet for burglary tools, which showed that if she did not want to see him, he would make sure to see her. A week later, he broke into her house for the first time and went through boxes of things from her childhood and her son's baby book, where he learned Rebecca's son's date of birth, which he guessed would be the code to unlock her phone. When he stole the keys from Rebecca's home in February, it had been during a half-hour period between Rebecca's mother leaving the keys on the kitchen island at 8 a.m. and coming back downstairs to leave for work. The prosecutor said that Guerrero would have to have been hiding in the house and watching and waiting for an opportunity to take those keys. Each time he returned to the house, he became more brazen in his actions, eventually setting up a space in the attic that he referred to as his room during his testimony. He had a to-do list that he was working through, which showed that he not only wanted to break in, but he wanted to be able to track her movements with a tile tracker and setting up listening devices to hear her. He had also written, drug her, on his to-do list, which he thankfully did not accomplish. The prosecutor said this showed that he was willing to harm Rebecca in order to accomplish what he set out to do. Guerrero still went into Rebecca's bedroom and lifted the comforter off of her and moved her bathrobe to expose her genitals, despite the likelihood that he saw her son sleeping next to her. He had to walk through the little boy's bedroom to get out of the attic so he would have known that her son was not in his own bedroom. Prosecutor Garrod said that the state believed his actions were motivated by a sexual compulsion to be with Rebecca, and his behavior had all the hallmarks of a sexual predator. He had spent thousands of dollars purchasing sexually explicit videos from OnlyFans and had even paid hackers so he could access more videos for free. Prosecutor Garrett asked Judge Mark Howard to sentence Guerrero to a term of three and a half to seven years in prison and also require him to register as a sex offender due to his concerning and escalating behavior. She said that the only mitigating factors in the case were Guerrero's age in that he was just shy of 20 years old when he committed the offense and his lack of criminal history. Guerrero's defense attorney asked for a fully suspended sentence with probation. He said that Guerrero was not a potential sex offender. He was just someone who was duped by an older woman. Starbranch said that Guerrero wasn't a predator or a deviant. According to the defense, he was lonely, misguided, and in love. The defense asked the judge to sentence the person and not the crime and told Judge Howard that he would be sentencing a boy, not a man. 
Guerrero's mother spoke briefly about how she had raised him with love, and his therapist said that he was an immature and lonely young man. Then, Guerrero addressed the court himself and said, I want to apologize to Rebecca and especially to her family. I caused a lot of pain to them and it hurts me a lot. I regret everything. I'm sorry I can't say that anymore. I beg to God, I beg to anyone for forgiveness. I'm scared. I'm scared of being alone and what will happen to me after today. I'm really sorry to them, especially to Rebecca's mom. I hope she can forgive me. I hope she understands. I really mean that I'm sorry. I feel so alone. I have my mom with me, but I've lost my friends. They don't talk to me. I don't talk to them for the past year and a half. People look at me, judge me. I'm sorry. I never wanted it to happen. I'll stay as far away as possible from Rebecca, and I'll have no contact with her at all or anyone in her family. I see what I've done, and I'm disgusted by myself. That's all I have to say. Judge Mark Howard spoke before passing the sentence. He described the case as extremely unique and said that he had to determine a sentence proportionate to the offense and Guerrero's characteristics. Judge Howard referenced Guerrero's lack of criminal history and his age and said that he did not believe Guerrero would reoffend. The judge said, The sentence also needs to send a message to the public that this behavior will not be tolerated, so there will be some jail time. Mauricio Guerrero was sentenced to one year for each of the four charges he was convicted of, all to be served concurrently, and one year suspended pending good behavior and three years of probation. Guerrero would have to serve less than 12 months in prison and he did not have to register as a sex offender. The victims were not present at the sentencing hearing, but Prosecutor Garrod spoke to the Portsmouth Herald after the sentence was imposed and said, Residential burglaries, especially ones of this nature, are particularly egregious. We are disappointed the judge did not sentence the defendant to what we requested, but we ultimately respect his decision. episode was researched and written by Eileen McFarlane. Editing and scoring by Corey Hiltman. Script editing, additional writing, and production direction by Rosanna and Benjamin Fitton. They Walk Among America will be pausing production for the immediate future, and we will be announcing any developments on a new season via social media. For more on our series and notes on this episode, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. And for more on the Law & Crime Podcast Network, please visit lawandcrime.com slash podcasts. This has been They Walk Among America. We appreciate you listening and please be safe. <laughs>